Uh, okay, so before we start, as obviously as, as we've been doing the last couple of days, today's learning is dedicated by Yehuda Pelafel Atzlacha of the whole Kehila, uh, from Michael Rolhas, the Lezecha Nishmas, Gila Bashlama, Le'ebas Ephraim, and Shem Shavaliyah, and a few other people that were doing anonymously for their own Hatzlacha, and their families Hatzlacha, and the whole Kehila's Hatzlacha. Okay, so Rapta Memdal Ramad Aleph. Okay, so we had a halacha that if you sell your Eved to a guy, Chazal punished you that you have to free him. So even if he's ever sold back to you, he's not, he, he, you're done. So you're basically, so you have to free him. So that's when it's sold. So the Gemara says like this, Let's say instead of selling him, you owed a guy money, and he just came into your property and took him. There are situations where, and, and courts allowed it. They were like, okay, you owe him money. So the question is, is that considered a sale? So the halacha is, maybe just, he goes into your property, he takes the guy. Gavu b'chayvay oy shalachu sirikin. Shalachu sikrikin is basically uh, goyim where like marauders were just killing Jews. And you, you, he comes into your house and you're like, take, take my slave. Take, take, you know, you basically just pay the guy off for your safety. The halach is in both of these cases, lo he's not free. Meaning the fact that he was taken by the guy, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not like I willingly used him as payment and it's not like I sold him. The guy came into my property and took him. So what do you want from me? Okay. Now the Gemara says, or many, I have a contradiction. The halach is like this. If I have a field, right, and I sell it to you, I have to separate myself before I sell it. Right. Now the halach is like this. Let's say I have a field and the, the, the king comes into my property and they say, uh, we're confiscating because of taxes or whatever, we're confiscating your entire field. The field is worth $100,000, they're confiscating the entire field. The halacha is, in uh, if you owe them money, you have to separate meiser. Why? So Rashi says, because we look at them collecting it as if it's a sale. So the halacha is, over here, if they come into your property and take the, take the field, you have to separate Meiser, like any other sale. What do you see from here? Again, the king just comes in and he says, we're taking your field from you. So if you owe them money and they're taking it as payment, you have to separate Meiser before you give it to him. Why? Like any other sale. Before I sell my land to you. Jewish king or any king? Any king. Before I sell it to you, before I sell it, I have to, I have to separate Meiser. So if the government takes away $100,000. You have to separate Meiser. You have to separate Meiser from it. We'll see why in a moment. But the point is you have to sell it. Pashtus, because it's perceived as a sale. Now, so what do you see? You see that when a person comes in and takes something from you, that you owe them money, we look at it as a sale. So the Gemara says, Now, if they're just taking it to you, stam, because they just want you, to, they're just stealing from you, obviously I don't have to separate myself. But if they're taking it as a chayv, I have to separate myself. So what's the difference? I mean, why is it that if a guy comes into my property and steals my, takes my evid as because I owe him money, that, that it's not considered a sale, and the evid doesn't go free? But... If the king comes into my property and steals my land because I owe him money, I have to separate myself like a sale. So is someone coming in and taking my property a sale or not? The answer is like this. Well, oh, yeah, so also adds to the point. So why are they different? So the Gemara says, Shani The answer is like this. Really, it's not considered a sale. When someone comes into your property and takes it, it's not considered a sale. So why do I have to separate myself? I'll tell you why. Very simple. I have a field that has 100,000 apples. How much is Meiser? 10,000 apples. Yeah. 
The king comes and takes my property because I owe him $100,000 worth. Each apple is a dollar. I'll make it easy. Each apple is a dollar. I owe him $100,000. He takes my field worth 100,000 apples. Why do I have to separate my sir? You want to know why? Because if I don't separate my sir, I'm benefiting from my sir, right? There's $10,000 worth of apples. So really, it's not considered a sale. So why do I have to separate my sir? Because if I don't, that means that I use 10,000 apples of my sir to pay off my debt, which is a problem. So the reason why I have to separate, it's not because it's considered a sale. It's because if I don't, I'm benefiting from my sir. That's why you have to. The Gemara says, Tashima, another proof. If someone sells his Evid to a Parhang, a Parhang, Rashi says, is, um, is an extortionist. Right? He's blackmailing me. So you have a guy who's blackmailing me, and he says, he'll only stop blackmailing me if I give him $5,000. So I said, take my Evid. What's the halacha? That's a problem. I'm not allowed to do that, and I have to free the slave. But why? Isn't a guy extortion? Isn't that extortionist similar to the first case? So the Gemara says, "Hasam happily lefayis lefayis." The difference is, over there, it's not like the guy came in and said, "I'm taking your ever." The guy came in and said, "I'll stop blackmailing you for five thousand dollars." I could have given him a diamond. I could have given him cash. Couldn't give him gold. I chose. Once I chose to give him the ever, that's on me. If he came into my property and just took the ever, okay, fine. Then I don't have a diamond on me. But because I was just trying to pay off a debt. I needed to pay him money to stop this. I chose the Evid, that's on me. Gufa, Amirav, Hamaycharav, Dilaparhang, similar, this Mamash will analyze this case. Now, if again, if I pay off an extortionist to stop blackmailing me and I pay him with an Evid, I, I have to free the slave because I did something wrong. So, my Havilim Evid, what should I have done? Havilim Fais, Fais. I should have paid him in other ways. He wants money. He doesn't want a slave. He wants cash. I could have given him cash. I could have given him uh, whatever. Other thing. The fact that I gave him my slave, that's on me. Oh, interesting Kasha. What if I sell the slave to a guy, but for only 30 days, and then it's coming back after 30 days? So, do we say that because it's a temporary sale, that's not really. Chazal don't really care about that, or no? If, if they don't, they, if, uh, thirty days at least. It's 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 chacha sale. So the question is, if I sell for thirty days, what's the halacha? We said that if you sold your slave to this extortionist, to this blackmailer, you have to free him. For some reason, the Gemara assumes that the blackmailer is going to give you back the slave. I don't know why. The Gemara assumes that that's, that was the case. So the Gemara says, well, the blackmailer is going to give you back the slave, and still it's a problem. So you see that if I sell it for 30 days, and I'm going to get it back, it's also a problem. And the Gemara's response is very simple. We're talking about a blackmailer who's not going to give it back to you. The Gemara says, Okay, fine. A couple more kashas. Most of them are not going to be answered. The kash is like this. What's the issue with selling a slave to a guy? Why, why are we so against it? Why, why is Chazal so upset by this? Because right now the slave is considered a quasi-Jew, quasi-slave, right? Quasi guy. He has to keep the missus that a woman has to keep. So he has to keep a lot of missus, let's say 200 missus. You sell him to a guy, he's keeping nothing. They're going to make him work on Shabbos, they're going to make him eat on Yom Kippur, right? He's a guy, he doesn't care. So because Chazal were unhappy that you did that, they punish you. So the question is like this What if I sell the slave to the guy and I tell the guy, listen, the rabbis are not happy that you're going to work him? So he says, fine, I won't work him. Meaning, I'll, I'll keep him just to mate with the wives to breed other slaves. I won't work him. He won't have to work on Shabbos. He won't work on Kippur. So it's still selling. It's against the Ratz and Chazal. But you're avoiding a lot of the problems the Chazal had. Or, Chutz min HaMitzvahs. You sell him to the guy, and the guy stipulates, I will make sure he keeps the 613. Whatever he has to keep, I'll make sure he keeps it. So do, does Chazal punish you in that case? But or, if the guy, but if once the guy is sold, he's punished in the mitzvahs. 
Well, I mean, he's not. Yeah, but the point is, but practice. Well, it, but, that's like me going to guy, guy the street saying, okay. Yeah, listen, I, I hear it on the other hand, but practice. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't know. He's still a quasi Jew, quasi guy. He's halacha still is the same. He's still an Evakanah. I would think so. Yeah, I think he's still obligated in certain instances. Just because he's controlled by a guy, he just may not be able to perform it. So the question is, why, why not? Because he was already he already he already went to the mikveh. He had mila. He's already a quasi Jew. So they sell him to a guy. He's still a quasi Jew in the process of a guy. The problem is when you're buying a guy, he's not going to be able to keep taramisus. So here's the deal. So the guy says, "Fine, I'll buy him on condition he keeps taramisus." The question is, does that help? It's because they weren't happy about the fact that the slave is no longer keeping Tarmitzis practically. So therefore they said, once you sell him, you're going. Yeah. So the Gemara says, Let's say he specifies, I won't make him work on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So the guy is clearly specifying all the concerns. Or the Ger what about you sell him to a Ger Toishev? A Ger Toishev was a non-Jew who kept the Shev Mrs. He was a religious non-Jew. So maybe that's a different than a regular guy. Or you sell Mummer. What if you sell him to a Jew who's Oivet uh, Avedizara? He's technically a Jew, but he's not going to keep Torah Mitzvahs. So that's another halacha. Lekuti mahu, what about a kuti, right? So kuti is a shail in the Gemara, whether a kuti is a Jew or a guy. So all of these things, so we've had like seven questions, what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, out of all of them, I know one answer. Pashem yechad, I can answer one. Ger toishiv, If you sell him to a ger toishiv, although a ger toishiv was a non-Jew who accepted the Torah Mitzvahs and accepted the Sheva Mitzvahs, at the end of the day, he's still a guy, a guy is a guy, and you have to go free. Kuti be Yisrael Mummer, what about a Kuti or a, a Jew who is Ayvid Avidizara? So Amrilakicham, Amrilakicham, it's Machlekes. Okay. Bai Minei Meravami. Okay, another Kasha. The halacha is like this if a guy, if a guy, um, you're not allowed to sell to a guy. What happens if the non Jew, if the slave goes to like a, a band of Goyim and he's like, I want to join your ranks? So he joins. They won't give him back to me. Now, I did nothing wrong. But the Goyim are like, listen, these are like robbers. These are uh, gang, uh, you know, uh, well, gang people gang. and bad people. So they said, listen, we're not giving you back your slave. But we'll, we'll pay for it. We'll give you $1,000. Am I allowed to take the money? Mm-hmm. Meaning when Chazal... Now, again, I did nothing wrong in this case. I didn't sell him. The, 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 the slave went on his own. I can't get him back. The question is, are Chazal... Whatever, yeah, that's okay. So the question is, he joins them, and then, and, and so the, the, I said, can I have him back, please? They said, absolutely not. But they said, listen, we're good guys. We'll pay for him. The question is, can I take the money? When Chazal, were Chazal concerned, I'll explain what the concern is in a moment, but did Chazal ask her accepting money? In this situation, so Gemara says, "Bali minei Ravami, Eved Shipel Atzma Lagaisis." You have an Eved who willingly goes to a bunch of uh, gang members, and Ain Rabbi Yachal Haitziyeh, and the owner can't get him back. Loy b'dini Yisrael b'dini Aykachav. Not in Jewish court, not in Goyish court. You're not getting it back. So Maushi tells Damab, "Can you at least take the money from him?" So what's the concern? So I'll explain outside. The concern is, would people maybe would this lead to games? Right? Think about it. I'm not allowed to sell him to a guy. If rabbis are very against it. But if he goes willingly to the guy and they w- give me money, I could maybe take it. So what's to stop me from in the future being like, I'd like to sell you the guy, but the slave, but don't take him. To take him and then just give me... So you could see why this would be, on the other hand, 
No, maybe we're not considered. I did nothing wrong. That, that's that, that's what the crux of the shaila is. So the Gemara says, He said, look into Tanoic literature, see what you find. So he found the Brisa, the Tanya. The halacha is, you're not allowed to sell a house in Eretz Yisrael to a guy. It's called Laisi Chanim. It's an Issa Daraisi. You're not allowed to sell them a house. You're not allowed to give part of Eretz Yisrael to Goyim. So the halacha is, and let's say, um, and let's say you did, Dama Vasurim. You're not allowed to keep the money. Chazal Knasi. You can't keep the money. So what about the following case? What if a guy breaks into your house, steals your house, and says, I'm not a bad guy. I'll pay you for it. Can you take the money? So it's a very similar situation. You have a guy who breaks into a Jewish home. And the Jews can't get the squatters out. Not in Jewish court or Goyish court. You're allowed to take money from them. Because at the end of the day, it's all you can get. And by the way, you're also allowed to go to a non-Jewish court, which is generally against halacha, to go to a Goyesha court. You're allowed to go to a Goyesha court to write up the deed in order to get the money, because I'm not some other. at least you can get something. So what do you see? You see that although you're not allowed to sell them a house, if they take the house from you forcibly, you can take the money. So to over here, I can't sell them a guy. If they take my guy from me, uh, the, the slave from me, I can receive the money. That's the Gemara's equating. And the Gemara says, no, it's not a fair equation. The Gemara says, it's, I'll tell you why it's not 100% comparable. Again, what's the, what's the Shaila? The Shaila is, Goyim, take my slave against my will. But they want to pay for it. Can I take the money? So the Gemara says, well, you're not allowed to sell your house in Eretz Yisrael, but if a guy steals your house against your will, you can take the cash. So you could probably take the cash in this case. The Quran says, well, it's not exactly the same. I'll tell you why. How many people sold their homes? It was not a common thing back then. It wasn't like nowadays we have, I have two homes, I'm selling them. You had your house, you had your house. No one sold their house. That was their house for generations. So it was very rare to sell your house. So we're not concerned that if they take my house and give me the money, that it's going to lead to people playing games in the future because selling your house is not a common occurrence anyway. But a slave, selling slaves is very common. So it could be slaves is worse. It could be that if the guy takes my slave, even if he offers money, I have to be able to. Say, I have to say I can't take it. Why? Because if you take the money, it's going to lead to people playing games in the future. Next two months from now, someone's like, "I want to sell my slave to a guy," and he's like, "Oh, I thought the rabbi said not allowed to." He's like, "Oh, okay, okay, okay. I understood. Got you. Wink, wink. Got it. Take my slave, and then, oops, can I have money for it?" So. You could see why that would be a concern. By a house, that's not as much of a concern. So maybe Chazal were in Geyser. But maybe by a slave is different. So that's the Shiloh. Is it comparable to a house or not? So the Gemara says... Is there a difference? Uh, also, uh, a reason why an LSL and Eved to Goyim yeah. is because they're going to act, uh, do illicit things like an LSL and animal to a guy. Yeah, but I... That's a good point. I don't know. We don't find that by avodim as much. We find that by animals. I don't. We don't find that by avodim. Maybe that. Maybe. I think I saw that. Yeah? yeah. I have to check. Maybe. Not sure. But you know, you don't have that hashash by a house. That's true too. I'm not sure. That's a good point. I'm gonna have to check. I'm not 100 percent sure. So the Gemara says it's a very interesting lashon of the Gemara. So we're not sure what's the halacha about an evid. So Shalach Rav Ami, Rav Ami sent the following message. It's a very weird lashon. Rav Ami is talking. He says, "Mini Ami Barnosan Yisrael." I Ami Barnosan will announce the following declaration for all of the Jewish people, which is an interesting lashon. He says, "This is what the halacha: Eved If you have an Eved who willingly joins Goyim, marauders, vain Rabbi and the Rabbi and the Master can't get it, he can't get it in any court." 
You're allowed to take money like a house. You can go to court to write up the deed because it's similar to a house. So he says it's similar to a house. Okay. Oh, let's say I sold. So in addition to having to free him, I have to buy him back. That was Chazal's punishment. So if you sell a slave to a guy, you have to buy him back. How much more? So I sold him for $1,000. That was his market value. Now he, all of a sudden, the price went up. So how much do I have to buy him? So Yeshua ben Levi said, up to 100 times. Up to 100 times. So if you sold him for $1,000, you have to buy him up to $100,000. So the Gemara says, is this dafka or la dafka? When it says 100, is that like literally 100? Or just, it means above market price. So, Tashima, Amresh Lakish. Rishlokish says like this, the halacha is, you're not allowed to sell a large animal to a guy. Now, not a small animal, that was what you're referring to, a small animal is a different concern, a large animal, a bull, an ox, a horse. Why are you not allowed to sell it to a guy? Because um, if you, you, you have to make sure, right? you have to make sure your animals keep Shabbos. Now, when you sell it to a guy, there's no problem, because it's not yours anymore. But if you lend it to a guy, that's a problem. If you lend your horse to a guy, you have to stipulate you cannot use it on Shabbos. Chazal were afraid that if you sell your horse to a guy, it's going to lead people to lending it to a guy, and, and it'll be a desecration of Shabbos. So it was a Chazal, it was a rabbinic prohibition. The halacha is, if you sold it to a guy, you have to, we punish you that you have to buy the horse back even ten times. So we started with a slave, you have to buy a hundred times. So we said, is a hundred dafka or not? So he said, well, this is ten. So mistama, a hundred is lav dafka, it means ten. So the Gemara says, no. Maybe not. Maybe it's literal. An animal is ten times, a slave is a hundred times, and why would it be more severe with a slave? Because every day he's forcing that slave to not be tired of mitzvahs. It's not a one-time thing. Every single day he's making that slave work. So maybe Chazal were more concerned with the slave, and you have to buy him back up to a hundred times. But by a behem, it's only ten times. Mm-hmm. Perhaps but everything is dafka. So the slaves to the house, because we have that prohibition in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah. I understand an ebbet, but what, why him? Because if you, if you sell a, a behemoth to a guy, right. you might lead people to lending it to a guy, and when you lend it to a guy, they're going to be Mechal Shabbos, which is an Issa Deraisa. We said in Kiddush, you have to make sure that your horse keeps Shabbos. You not let him. You can't have your horse working on Shabbos. Now, if you lend it to a guy, you're also not allowed to let your horse break Shabbos. So, you, so how, how are you going to lend it to a guy and tell him don't work it on Saturday? Of course, it's not. That's not going to. It's not going to be thing. So, therefore, you're not allowed to lend it to a guy. But if you sell it to a guy, people are going to lead to lending. So that was Chazal's prohibition. Ikadami, some have a different version of the Gemara that instead of the animal ten times, it's the opposite. According to this version, a slave is ten times. You have to buy by ten times. Dafka, dafka, is ten times dafka, or is it even more than ten times? So Tashima, According to this version, if you sell an animal to a guy, you have to buy it a hundred times. So you see, ten is lav dafka because the behem is a hundred. So Gemara says, no, shani evidly hodele. Gemara says, no, the opposite. Again, right now we're asking, when, according to this version, if I sell my slave to a guy, I have to buy it back up to ten times its value. So the question is, is ten dafka or lav dafka? So the Gemara says, well, a behem is a hundred. So 10 is probably lav dafka. It probably means 100. The Gemara says, no. I'll tell you the difference between a behema and a, and a slave. If I back, buy back the behema, right. am I keeping the behema? Yep. Yeah. If I buy back the slave, you know what's happening to the slave? He goes free. So, I'm, so think about it. I have to buy him back to free him. So perhaps it's taka only 10 times. Why would a behema be 100 times? Because I'm buying him back 
in order to free him. So maybe Chazal were not as strict with me. So the Gemara says, uh, oh, so the Gemara says, wait a minute, so you're telling me the reason why you have to buy back a behemoth a hundred times because you're going to keep it. So then only, only I should only be, have to buy it back two more times. Meaning, if you're telling me the whole reason why I have to buy it back is because, oh, you're going to keep it anyway. The animal's worth $100, okay? So the slave is also worth $100. So we're saying right now, you only have to buy back the slave if it's 10 times its value, not more than that. 10x. So it's $1,000, not more than that. Why? Because you're not keeping him anyway. He's going free. But a behema, I have to spend up to 100x because you're keeping it. Does that make sense to you? I'm, it's $100, and why are the Chazal comfortable making me spend 10 grand buying this animal back because I get to keep it? I'm good. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It can't be that the reason why they punish you up to a hundred times, as opposed to slave, which is ten times, because I'm keeping it? That sounds like it's for my convenience. Like, that doesn't make any sense. So you know the Gemara says, forget it. There's a re- different reason. You want to want why the slave you have to buy back a hundred times as opposed to an Evid? It was just an animal you have to buy back a hundred times and Evid only ten times? Very simple. Um, which is more common? Selling a horse to a guy or selling a slave to a guy? Selling a horse. It was a much more common occurrence. So Chazal had to be more strict. So therefore, they were strict that an uh, animal, if you sold it to a guy, because everyone's like, what's the problem? Uh, even right now, you have many people here learned it, and I'm like, I, you can't sell it to a guy. They're like, why? Because in people's minds, they're like, what's the problem? Very common. Therefore, you have to put your foot down. Even a hundred times, you have to buy it back. A slave wasn't very common. So the Gemara says... Oh, the Gemara, no, the, well, that's, that's part of the Shaila. The Gemara assumes a hundred times is, is yeah. that, that was the Gemara Shaila. Okay, so, so here. I have Michael's right. Michael's son. Yeah. Yeah. Michael's son. Michael's son. Michael's son. Michael's Now, from here until halfway through the next Amid, the Gemara is the following Shaila. The Shaila is when I sold it to a guy, right? I have to free him and I have to buy him back. So the Gemara Shaila is, what if I sold, what if someone sells his Evid to a guy and then he dies? Do they force the children to buy him back and free him? Meaning, how, how, how strict are we? We're strict with the person who sold it. Are we also going to be strict with his children? Now, the Gemara is going to lead us, and we're going to try to bring proofs from other areas of halacha where if you broke halacha, do we punish your children to rectify your mistake? Okay, so Gemara says, "Boy, mine Ravier me Ravasi. Ravier me asked Ravasi the following kasha. Machar avda yumeis. So I sold it. So someone sells a slave to a guy and then he dies. So maushi yiknesu is bnei achrav. Do we punish the children that the children are responsible to fix his mistake? Do they have to spend the money up to ten times, up to hundred, whatever it is? Do they have to buy the slave back? Do we say the Chazal just punished the guy, or they punished even his children? So the Gemara says, well, let's try to bring some, analyze from other cases. One of the halachas is that if you have a, uh, in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, if you had a firstborn animal, a Bechar, so you gave it to a Kayin. Now, if the animal had no blemishes, it was brought as a sacrifice. If it had blemishes, the Kayin would keep it. So think about it. I'm a Kayin. I'm a lowlife. I'd like to keep this myself, but it has no blemishes. So what do I do? Take a knife, and I... Top off, lop off the top of its ear. Oops. So now, ooh, it has a blemish. I get to keep it now. So because of that, if Chazal found out that you did that, you're not allowed to keep the animal, obviously. What happens if the Kayan did that, the low-life Kayan rips off the top of the animal's ear because he doesn't want to bring it as a karba, now he gets to keep it. Cows are very valuable. He gets to keep it now. Then he dies. What's the halach about his kids? 
do we punish the kids that the kids can't eat the cow? Or the kids can say, listen, that was my dad. I didn't do anything wrong. So the halacha is, im tim if you want to analyze another case, tsarim oizen bechar umes, if a koyin lops off the ear, uh, nicks the ear of a, of a cow, making it a firstborn cow, making it a balmum, so he gets to keep, but he did it on purpose. So Chazal punished him that he can't keep the cow, umes, and then he dies. Konsub they punished the kids. They told the kids, you can't use it either. So what do you see? We punished the children as well. The difference is very simple. Over there, what the Kayan did was a biblical prohibition. Blemishing an animal that's meant for a carbon is a biblical sin. So I understand why Chazal were so strict, because you went against the Torah. Selling a slave to a guy is a rabbinic prohibition. So maybe, because it's a rabbinic prohibition, they didn't punish the children. But it's a rabbinic prohibition which will lead to Issa Darais. I understand that, but it's still a creation. The entire thing is a creation of Chazal. I didn't do anything biblically wrong, as opposed to nicking a Bukhar. I did something. Right. So Gemara says, Go to the next page. Over here it's an Issa So maybe it's not comparable. I'll give another example. Okay, one of the halachas is, we know you're not allowed to work on Chalamayid. So you're not allowed to do construction on Chalamayid. Right? What happens if someone's basement is flooded? and it's filling up with water, so because it's considered a large monetary loss, we will allow you to do construction. So here's what you do. Two days before Cholomayed, you start a project. Now, should you have done that? Absolutely not. But now that I'm working, uh, they're charging me by the hour. What do you want? So Chazal were not happy with that because, yes, technically you'd be allowed to work in this case, but you, you did this on purpose. Because you have to realize, working in Chalamayit is a very convenient thing for people. They have off of their daily job anyway. So Chazal, that's called Kivan Malachtai B'mayir. So the halach is Kivan Malachtai B'mayir. If you intentionally started work before Yom Tif, in a way that would allow you to work in Chalamayit, because there's now a financial loss, the rabbis were not happy with that. What's the halacha? Now they punish you, you can't do the work on Chalamayit, because you did it on purpose. Now let's say that guy dies, and now his kids are like, well... My father's house is falling apart. The halacha is, They didn't punish the children. Oh, so you see, they didn't punish the children. The Gemara says, well, no. That's Mishum Tali Surah. Over there, it's a little different. Technically, did the dad do anything actually usher? No. He just did something that's like against the Ruach of Chazal. Meaning, over here, you sold an Evid. You did something that the rabbi said, do not do. You did an actual iser derabonon. So perhaps they would be strict and punish the children. In this case of planning to do work before Cholomayed, technically, did you do anything wrong? I started work on a weekday before Yom Tif. I'm allowed to do that. And then now Yom Tif comes, and now if I don't continue, I have a financial loss. It's technically no iser. Is it against the spirit of halacha? Absolutely. But there's technically no iser. So perhaps Chazal were not as strict and they didn't punish the children in such a situation because the father didn't do, actually do an iser. He just did something that's just a jerk move. He did something Chazal were not happy with, but he didn't actually do an iser. As opposed to over here, selling an evid to a guy is an actual iser de Rabbanan. So perhaps Chazal were more strict. That's why it's a little bit unclear. Made it sound like an emergency situation is also a problem. No, 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 no. This is where. This is only a schedule. This is a schedule. No, that's the point. It's not like the water. It's not like you fill the water. This is that you started work before and then you said, oh, well, I have to continue because they're on the clock and I'm losing money. You scheduled this. You did this on purpose. So that's what the point is. Chazal, so Chazal, but Chazal, while they're going to be strict with you, they're not going to be strict with your kids because he technically didn't do an iser. So the Gemara says, so we're trying to figure out. 
in our situation, my. So you have all these different scenarios. What is our situation? You sold it to a guy, and then you died. Do we punish the children to redeem the slave? Did, did Chazal only punish that guy and not his kids? Or perhaps Chazal are like, listen, we want you to spend the money. So you know what? Your estate is going to spend the money, even if it's not alive. So let's bring a proof. The halach is like this. On Shemitah, on, on Shemitah, you're not allowed to work the land, right? So you're not allowed to plant, prune, uh, do furrows, chayrish, kaitzer, you're not allowed to fertilize. What about removing thorns? So the halacha is, removing thorns on Shemitah is only a rabbinic prohibition. It's not a biblical form of working the land, it's uh, based on Joshua uh, and the Pesukim. Removing thorns is only rabbinic. Let's say I removed thorns on Shemitah. I did against Chazal, I broke the Torah, I broke the rabbis. I, I removed thorns on Shemitah, I, I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. Can I work the land? Can I continue working the land? Matzei Shemitah, right? I removed all the thorns on Shemitah, and then right after Shemitah, I'd like to plant. Were Chazal strict with me and said, no, 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 you can't work that land because you removed the thorns. So what's the halacha? Tenisua. Sadish and Eskavtsa is if you just remove thorns on Shemitah, which is a rabbinic prohibition, tizun l'matzei Shemitah, we allow you to plant on Matzei Shemitah the thornless uh, field. We're not going to punish you. Because it was only rabbinic what you did. But let's say, Nitiva or Nadira, let's say on Shemitah. I fertilize the land, which is a biblical sin to do that. You are not allowed to plant after Shemitah. Chazal was strict with you because you went against the Torah. Okay? So Chazal was strict. The th- removing thorns is only a rabbinic form of working the land, therefore Chazal were fine. But you fertilize the field, that's biblical, you can't plant it, Matzei Shemitah, you have to wait until, you have to undo the fertilizing, you have to wait, you can't plant it. Let's say someone fertilizes the field during Shemitah and then dies. Can his son plant the land after Shemitah? Yes, you can. Why? The rabbis generally do not punish the children for the sins of the father. And therefore, back to our case, by an Evid, if someone sells his Evid to us to a guy, we will punish you. But if, if that person dies, we're not going to punish your kids. The Gemara says, one more proof. Um, <laughs> this is interesting. You have a, you have a let's say a Kayan. Right? A Kayan has, he's walking with Truma. And Truma has value, right? Whatever. I just got back from the cemetery. And I'm like, boop. And I touch his apples. And now he can't eat it. So the question is, do I have to pay? So the answer is yes. It's called Hezek She'ene Nikr. I'm mazik you, I damaged you, where there's no visible change. It's not like I broke your window. I did a Hezek without any, um, without any uh, visual trace of it, because it's a spiritual Hezek. The halacha is, biblically, I don't have to pay for that. But the rabbis punish me. What if I did that, what, someone did that. Ruvain touches someone's stuff, makes it on t- purpose, tame on purpose, and then the guy dies. Do the kids have to pay? The halachas, no. So it's another example where we don't punish the children. The Gemara says, I'm Rabbi Nektina, we have a tradition. If you're metame the taharis of chaveroi, umeis, and then you die like Konsebarabana we don't punish the children. My time, Hezek Shane Nikolaish me Hezek. Because Hezek that's not visible is not considered a Hezek. And the whole thing is a rabbinic penalty. They never punish the children. So to over here, if you sold an Evet to a guy and then die, you're not going to have the children are not going to have to buy him back. We're not going to punish the children for that. Okay, one more halacha, and then this is the rest of the Ahmed. The halacha is that if you sell an Evet to Chutzlaretz, 
even to a Jew, but you now sell him to leave Eretz Yisrael, you also have to let him go free because you're making him leave Eretz Yisrael. And the Kedush of Eretz Yisrael and all the mitzvahs that are connected to Eretz Yisrael, the rabbis were not happy with that. Let me ask you a question. If you think about it, by the way, when you did the Mishnah, we just think of it as like pretty binary. We think of it as, I get a call from a guy in Israel, and he's like, hey, you live in New York, you want my slave? And I'm like, sure. But sometimes, I'm in Yerushalayim, I sell it to a guy in Beit Shemesh, and then he takes it back. That's not a problem. I didn't do anything wrong. It's a problem when I sell my Evid to Chutzlars. If I sell it to a guy that's living in Beit Shemesh, and then that guy, a year later, or even a day later, chooses to make Yerida, whatever you call it, to leave Eretz Yisrael, it's not my problem. Right? I didn't do anything wrong. So how do I know when I sell it that the guy's going to take the Evid out? Because it's not like you're going to ask, it's not like, I mean, maybe you should ask the guy, but it's like the guy's like, hey, can I buy your slave? I don't have to say, well, what are your plans? What are your travel plans? I'm like, well, okay, whatever. So the halacha is like this. It depends on what was verbalized in the document. I'll tell you what. Let's say there's a guy from New York, and I say, I'm selling my Evid to John from New York. That's fine, because the John from New York could be living in Israel. It's only a problem if I say, I'm selling my Evid to John from New York, who is in New York. So it's clear in the document itself that his intention is to take the Evid out. That's the Gemara says. The Gemara says, If I sell my slave to someone in Chutzlaretz, I have to free him. We penalize me to free him. And I have to give him a bill of emancipation. The second owner has to give a bill of emancipation, by the way. That means that we penalize uh, both of them. I have to free him so I can never get him back. And the guy who just bought him he loses an Evid because we force him to emancipate him also. So the rabbis, so by the way, the, the second guy, he just lost his cash, by the way. You realize that. He, he paid for him. He doesn't get to keep him. As we're going to see in the end of the Ahmed, Chazal penalized him. You paid. You shouldn't have done that. You knew you shouldn't have done that. We're penalizing both of you. Nobody gets the Evid. He goes free. You're out of cash. I guess the first guy doesn't really, he's not that messed up so much but because he at least got money. But the second guy is out of cash. The first guy uh, has to free him. Yeah? No, no, the second guy has to give him a get shikhar. The first guy frees him as a penalty so he can never take him back, he can never have a claim to him. The second guy has to give him a bill of emancipation. No, because we're afraid that we don't want it to be that after, let's say, after the second guy emancipates him, the first guy's like, oh, he's my slave, he's my slave. We want both of them free him. Make sure that he's free from everybody. No optics, no you know, concerns. Says the Gemara, Rishim Aymer, Shumil says it's not so simple as just selling him to Chutzlar. It's sometimes it's a problem, sometimes not. How what's the case? I, I wrote in the document, I am selling my slave to John from New York. That's not a problem, because John from New York could live in Beit Shemesh. But if I write, I'm selling it to John from New York, who is in New York, so it's clear from the document that I'm selling my slave to leave Eretz Yisrael, then it's Yatza. That's a problem. Okay. Vatani, wait a minute. I have a Bryce that says not like that. The Bryce says, We said before that if I write in the document, I'm selling to John from New York, that's fine. Because John from New York can live in Beit Shemesh. This Bryce says that it says, if I'm selling to John from New York, that's a problem. It's only okay if I write in the document, I'm selling from John in New York, who lives in Beit Shemesh. So wait a minute. So if I say, I'm selling it, in the document it says, I'm selling it to John from New York, is that a problem or not? One Bryce says yes, one Bryce says no. The answer is very simple. Does John from New York have a house in Israel? 
If John from New York has a house in Israel, then it's fine. If John from New York is taking a VRBO for three days just to buy my slave, no good. So it just depends on the circumstance. Is John from New York living in Eretz Yisrael? If it is, then it's fine. If John from New York is not, then it's not fine. Okay, a couple more. We have to go a little bit quick because I want to be done by 8.35. Boi Rav Yirmiya Ben Bavel Shenose Isha Eretz Yisrael you have a woman who brings in her marriage, she brings in slaves. She marries a guy from New York. They're in Eretz Yisrael, but their intention is to move to New York. She got married to a guy, that's what happens. The question is, is by her bringing slaves into the marriage akin to, to selling them? When she marries the guy, is that the equivalent of selling it to the guy? She knows they're going to Chutz because he's from New York. They, get, they met in Tel Aviv, whatever, but they're moving to New York. So she never sold it to anybody, but she did bring it into the marriage. These are what's called nichsei tzayn barzal, which is she brings them into the marriage. And by the way, if they ever get divorced, she takes them out of the marriage. But during the marriage process, he has rights to them. So is it during the marriage, is it considered as if she sold it to the husband? So the Gemara says, here's the Shiloh. There's a machloikas, we have this in, I think, Subis. That if you have nichsei tzayn barzel, right, which means you bring in property that when you, if they ever get divorced, she gets the property back. It, it doesn't matter of the value at the time. It doesn't matter the fluctuation. She brought in the land worth $1,000. She's going to get land worth $1,000. Does she actually have a claim to the actual land itself? Or does she just have a claim to the value? Meaning, let's say she brings into the marriage a vase. And she writes in the ksuba, this vase is nichsei tzayn barzel. I want, it's worth $1,000. I want it when, I, when we get divorced as $1,000. The question is, does she just have rights to the value of the vase, or does she can actually demand the vase itself? Because that'll also have relevance. If she could cl- claim the actual slaves themselves, then you could look at it as it's not a sale. But if she can't claim the actual slaves, she just claims, she has a claim to the value of the slaves, so then you could really look at it as a legitimate sale. So the Gemara says, The question is, both according to the opinion that she actually has a claim to the actual slaves themselves, she can get them back, or she can't get them back. Both opinions would have the Shiloh. Let's go with the possibility that she's going to get the slaves back. Do we say that she never sold it? On the other hand, during the marriage, the husband has rights to it. So it is considered a sale. And then she's just getting it back at the end of the marriage. Or what about the according to the opinion that it's as if she that he does get to keep it? Then the shaila is dummy. Do we say that it's his? Or perhaps it's still not considered a sale. Teku, we're not sure. Now one last gemara, and we'll end with this. Let's say you have a slave who follows his master. His master moves to Syria. Syria, we saw, was a Shiloh, whether it's considered Eretz Yisrael or not. The slave willingly follows the master to Syria. Umach Rusham, and then the master sold him there. Rabbi Yatzlacheris, we penalize him because he sold, right? The master moved to Syria. He follows the master to Syria. The master sells him in Syria. And the halacha is that it's like selling him to New York. You have to free him. The Gemara, wait, wait a minute. Over here, he willingly left. Like, we generally penalize the owner when he's the one at fault. Over here, the slave willingly left to follow the master. He didn't have to. So why are we punishing the owner, the master, when the slave willingly followed him? So the Gemara says, I thought Ravchia said that if the slave willingly follows the master outside of Israel, we're not going to punish the master. It's like, punish the slave, right? 
Generally, the case is the slave has no choice of where he's going, so the slave is just sold to Chutzlaretz. Oh, we penalized the master over here. The master left Syria. The slave willingly left with him. Choice. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Up to me. So he goes. Then he sells him. Oh, uh, we don't go. Don't go to Syria then. Like, well, why are we punishing the master? The slave shouldn't have gone. So the Gemara says, "Lo kasha." The question is, it's, it's very simple. When this, when the master went to Syria, was he planning on coming back? Meaning, give you a simple example. The master's like, "I'm going to New York," so the slave doesn't have to go with him. So the slave's like, "How long are you going for? Two weeks. I'll go with you two weeks. That's fine, right? No problem." He goes for two weeks. Then on the two-week vacation, the slave is sold. We punish the master. But if the master's like, "I'm going to New York," and the slave's like, "How long are you going for? I'm moving." The slave's like, I'll come with you. Then we're not, and then he sells them. I'm not going to punish the master. Just punish the slave. You shouldn't have gone. So that, that's the point. If, if he had a choice, then do we punish the master or the slave? It's just a matter of, did the slave know how long he was going for? If the slave knew that he was going for two weeks, we're not going to punish the slave for following him. Two weeks is not a big deal. If the slave knew that he was making Yerida, then we're not going to, why, why are you following him? So the Gemara says, I have a Bryce that backs this up, a Tanya. I have a Bryce that backs this up. Because the Bryce says, Yoytze Eved Acharabi Lasuria. That a master, that the, the, the Evid, if the Evid follows his master to Surya, wait a minute, why is he following him? But I thought that you can't force someone to leave Eretz Yisrael. And that is, that if he went to Chutzlaretz and the slave followed him, if the slave knew that he was going for a short period of time, then we don't have a punishment of the slave. But if the slave thought he was making Yerida, then for the, him to follow him, why are you following the guy? Now one more minute, then we'll stop with this. Amar Avanan, Shamit I heard two halachas from Shmuel. Chodahach, one that halacha, okay, and an idach, another halacha, the itmar, the following halacha. Hamacheir sadehu b'shnas hayoyvel atzmai. Right, you're not allowed to uh, sell land on yoyvel. Let's say you did. So the question is, does it? Two opinions. Rav Rav says it's sold, meaning I sell you land for a thousand dollars on Yovel. I'm not allowed to do that. The sale is a good sale, but it instantly reverts back to me. So in other words, you lost your cash. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says no, no, no. It's not a sale at all. So the question is: Is it a sale for a moment and just reversed, or it's not a sale at all? So the Gemara says In one area, the you return the cash; in one area, you don't. Meaning, in other words, like this. Shmuel has two halachas. I sell my slave to a guy. I sell my slave to Chutzlaretz. I sell land during Shemitah. Both of those you're not allowed to do. Both of those, it's reversed. One of them, I get my money back. One of them, I don't get my money back. Again, so a very simple case. I sell my slave to you in Chutzlaretz. So you give me $1,000. I sell my land to you in Yovel. You give me $1,000. Both of them, the sales don't work, meaning they, they're reversed. One of them, you lost your cash. One of them, you didn't. Which one is which? And then we'll end with this. Hi, Minayu. Amr of Yosef. The Gemara is very simple. In the case where I sold you the slave to Chutzlar, what was the halacha? I have to free him. And then Menashe, the one who bought it, he also has to free him. If he also has to free, that means that it's a legitimate sale. You're not getting your money back. It means it's a sale, but we penalize you. But in the case where I sold it on Yovel, even if it reverses, you, you get your money back. So by a slave, if you sell to Chutzlar, you lost your cash. If you sold land on, on Yovel, you get your cash back. All right, we'll stop.
My pleasure. Yeah.